Hey everybody, this is Zach's Zone. It is 9 a.m. Friday the 13th, 2020. Last Friday, I had the opportunity to go to my friend Morgan Page's art show and interview all of the guests at her party. It was really fun. I got to pull some cards from this deck and ask random questions to the people. So there was a bit of divination involved. Um, We're going to start off with a poem from Aaron Aurelia. And I do want to apologize for some of the audio quality as I was playing around with using two different internet connections in the same room and with the door shut. It wasn't quite superb quality, but um, you could still make out what we're talking about. And uh, for the most part, I think that the audio is really good. So for the times where there's a bit of an echo, I do apologize. And I hope you enjoy. Here's two hours of psychedelic conversations from Morgan Page's art party in Portland, Oregon at the Commons PDX. Enjoy. This poem is part prayer and part spell. It's called Combustion. Eyes like the sky, heart like a sunrise. I'll recognize you by your voice, raining like falling stars, covering me in light. I'll hear the sea when I hold you up to my ear. Washed up treasure will appear in your wake. These earthquakes will still and the land will solidify while your bones will ring in tune with mine and all of our pieces will rhyme. Your embrace will taste of endlessness, of fountains that never run dry, of a fire that doesn't die. We'll move in time with the turning of the moon. There'll be no room for missteps. Our rhythm will wax and wane with our breath, and the rest of our orbits will glide like song lines circling the sun. Then we'll have begun to dance in the utterance of infinity. Don't try to save me. Don't be my hero. You'll be your planet and I'll be mine. We're not here to be pulled like gravity into that black hole of invisibility. You'll know my contours and I'll know yours and the same constellations shall illuminate our nights. We'll navigate by the stars and ride cosmic winds like incantations where our declarations will become the birth of worlds coalescing into the form of our own making, ever arising, always becoming like a tune, never ending. It's not a destination. It's not a hard construction. It is the heat of combustion forever fueled by the connection between our eyes. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you for sharing it. That was awesome. Thank you. Can you tell us um, your social media handle one more time? Mm-hmm. Aaron Aurelia Poetry. Thank you, too. Appreciate it, Zach. Yeah. I'll find you, and I'll, I'll share the, uh, the link with you. Wonderful. Running for quite some time. Remind me your name again? My name is Aaron. Aaron, I that's her. poetry under the name Aaron Aurelia. Aaron Aurelia. Sweet. Well, 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 look who it is. The star of the evening. How are you feeling? I'm so excited to be here. This is my inner child is screaming for joy. Woohoo! This is a poetogenic showcase. 
poetogenic. Can you describe what the word poetogenic is? Yeah, my friend Tom, who wrote um, Psychedelic Mystery Traditions, right. um, you may or may not know him, uh, he made this word up, and it basically is the generation of creative spirit through the use of psychedelics. So that word appeared that word appeared to me uh or spoke to me rather um when i was listening to it it spoke to my soul poetogenic this is a poetogenic expression so really through this process of the show are we recording still am i on yeah you're on um yeah, I process through the creation of art, but it's really in addition to and in collaboration with psychedelics. Um, yeah, so this is a poetogenic showcase. <laughs> it's experimental, it's vibrant, saturated, playful. It has helped me, painting and visual art has helped me process many, many challenging emotional states, depression over time, you know, some manic states, anxieties. So through the use of psychedelics and art, I am more well than I've ever been. Yeah, I started to draw when I was a kid. And actually, um, my father is and was an draw. artist. Um, but he stopped creating um, because of alcohol. And I kind of really uh, copied his style when I was a kid, 11, 12, 13 years old. He would do these very psychedelic shapes and kind of stained glass kind of textures. And he worked with stained glass as well. But I brought it to another level. I brought it to my own unique level. And I always have been doing these expressions of, for, better, for lack of a better term, alien. Um, expressions and my sister always you know joked that it was because I was abducted when I was a kid and in this way I do feel like I have been communicating with my ancestors and maybe I'm I've been creating these portraits of my family members over all these years I don't know so at first it was kind of like an emulation of my father's work or so I thought but it's really developed over the last 20 plus years and my visual art's always been something that's just been fun and therapeutic for me. It's something that I can do, never really took it seriously because I, in addition to, um, uh, I believe just like Julia B. Cameron, that serious art is born from serious play. So I just never thought it, it could really become a career option or something that I was going to dedicate and commit my whole life to. I realize now that it is substantial. Um, it's a substantial expression for me and a serious one, even though it's so playful and experimental, you know what I mean? <laughs> it shows me. It, it shows me. It is one of the purest essence expressions that, that comes through me um, with the color and the shapes and it is something where I feel at home when I, I don't even have to think about it. It is an ecstatic flow that I get into when I'm drawing, when I'm painting now. I just started painting seriously about two or three years ago, 
two years ago yeah um and that was sparked actually by a breakup and within a month i had painted seven to nine canvases and it got me through um quitting drinking at the same time and the breakup so my whole life shifted and so i was just ready to answer that call that choosing you know of it kept pulling me pulling me pulling me in addition to poetry but the art was like every time that i would do it i felt fulfilled i felt like i had you know really given way to my truest essence expression you know i just gotten out of my own way gotten out of my own obstruction obstructed view you know what i mean so the drinking really helped that and my vision became a lot more clear to actually be able to complete projects complete pieces and take it to the next level um, not because of a challenge but because now I want to share this essence expression with others because it feels whole it feels holistic and it feels like a piece that's been coming together um, also this it's through the process this process has really allowed me to like lean into it why do I do these things why do I want to you know I've been really kind of thinking about those things over the last few weeks as I really completed a lot of these pieces in the last few weeks so what is therapeutic about art oh everything from the way that the paintbrush strokes the canvas just that fluid actual motion the body movement the physical movement with it um the colors the shapes working within certain bounds but then also being free to do whatever you want there's no right or wrong that is therapy to really explore to be curious about something to be excited about something is very therapeutic in terms of like how we live our day-to-day -day lives like um yeah I think also just to spend two or three hours in solitude with a particular piece, even if it's conceptual or, or not, and you're just kind of flowing with it, you are listening, you know, you're listening on another level, you're being on another level, you're in the moment. Art allows us and, and asks that we be present. Uh, so that's therapy to be in the present moment that is therapy pure medicine <laughs> everything open for the curious nature of the individual and then also really allows us to have an open mind about yeah what what we expect from life i think that death just drives more pure life so it's like if we knew then we would conduct ourselves much differently. You know, I like this curious exploration and experimentation, experimentational nature of it all. So I would, I would really rather not know. What do you think happens after we die? I believe our spirits live on. Um, I do, you know, as I get older and a little bit more spiritually inclined, I do believe that we, communication goes with the spirit goes beyond our physical bodies um, decaying um, so I think there are a lot of things there that we still can explore you know in terms of like just how we communicate with the unseen um, yeah I think we're able to communicate with spirits yeah and I think the spirit lives on so we kind of we, we kind of like, like transition, transition into a different dimension, different dimension where 
non-physical spirits exist and we we kind of commune with them on a different plane of existence yeah yeah i i, I believe that i have felt that um uh, i have felt that sweet, sweet. is there anything else that this evening is kind of in celebration of your art um is there anything else you would want to share with people about your art and why it's important to you and why they should check it out your visual art your visual art poetry well the, the only thing i want people to know is this is just the beginning <laughs> this is the start of something beautiful and something that i could not be more excited about genuinely from my soul from my essence expression um from the gods you need me to be for us to learn to survive together as a channeler of Athena, what is your mission? My mission is to tell everyone a few basic things that if they can understand this, this would be very beneficial to this uh, meltdown. And that is that we are all going back. Back to where? Back to nature. And we can go prepared and willing, or we can go kicking and screaming, but everybody's going back there. And when the apocalypse is done and all that's remaining are a few supposedly fireproof trees, and hopefully at least a couple of humans who can procreate, that's when all of this is going to become very important. Who did you survive the apocalypse with and why? And why are you here tonight? To do what I call a witch reveal. You don't want to let all your secrets out all. Is this a perfect moment? Yes. It is beyond perfect. If I could spend most of my time uh, doing something as perfect as this moment, um, I would be doing it all the time. That makes me feel really good, and I hope it makes you feel really good, too. Oh, yes. We're, We're in the perfect, perfect moment. moment. Oh, yes. We did it. Because one day I'll call forth my Baba Yaga, but that's, that's for another time. Okay. So it's like the, the, the evolution of the perfect moment. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. The eternal evolution. Question number two. Does humanity grow wiser with each new generation? Uh, yeah, wiser, but uh, then what happens is that's at the expense of what? Uh, well, if being wise is, uh, you know, wisdom, uh, humanity growing wiser and wisdom, uh, it's not as much are they wise as what are they doing with their wisdom? <laughs> uh, so it depends. Follow-up question. What should they be doing with their wisdom? What should they be doing with what? Their wisdom. Preparing. Let's leave that one there. <laughs> Next question. Can you recall an important piece of advice that you've received in your lifetime? Yes. Can you share it with us? Yes. Beyond anything else, your behavior being congruent with your words is what's most important 
in your interactions with others. Oh, uh, the new Kulama Lake. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm calling it the zone in uh, tribute of Hakim Bay's temporary autonomous zone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, temporary autonomous zone is like a space where um, you can kind of create your own rules. Okay. It's like if you are, uh, I guess the most simple example would be this, the most simple example for a temporary autonomous zone would be like you're going to a poker game at the boy at your boy's house or something like that. Uh -huh. You're there to play poker, and you can kind of like talk about hot chicks, kind of talk about what you want. PC yeah. culture's kind of thrown out the door. Yeah, you're just going to just kind of chill out and have a good time. Yeah, chill with your boys. You can smoke a little DMT. Yeah, it's against the law in the rest <laughs> of the country, but you got yeah. a temporary autonomous zone. Yeah, yeah. Where you can get down and do what you want. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he. Yeah, that's like the whole state of Oregon now. Right? It's become <laughs> Oregon is more and more increasingly temporary autonomous zone for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, one, one of the things about, about temporary autonomous zone is the philosopher Hakeem Bay, when he put it out there, it inspired the um, the creators of Burning Man. So then Burning Man was kind of set up as a temper as a Taz, a temporary autonomous zone. So when I hear about Morgan, who's speaking right now, I don't know if she's about to start her official presentation or not. We may want to put this on hold. Okay, but um, uh, when I hear about what she wants to do out there, about like you know, like, fuck working for other people and let's do our own thing and, like, really, really focus on generating and producing more art and putting it out there into the zeitgeist, into the world. Like, that's the zone. Like, your whole 27 acres is the fucking zone. Are humans truly the Earth's dominant species? Or does it just seem that way from our perspective? What is the why don't I answer? <laughs> well, if I was a dominant species, I would definitely have the answer with no confusion about it. Um, but I think the, just the simple fact that it's even a question reveals its subjectivity to not being an absolute truth. Yeah. Maybe relatively in some ways, a human might be dominant over some things, but in other ways, in other things, other beings are dominant. And what is the notion of dominance, anyways? Yeah, I don't know. Like, especially in an absolute kind of, like, totalitarian species sense, you know? Like, what? No. <laughs> the, the answer is no. No. Well, it's like, uh, what do you think about this whole, like, anthropological or, like, uh, or like animals, biologists have this concept of the alpha male. There's the alpha, uh -huh. and then there's the reductive sort of like beta males or followers of that alpha male. And the alpha is the one that gets all the pussy and all the shit like that. Do you think that that's true? I do see 
particular energies playing out in in the natural world that seem to emanate dominance or a, a level of confidence or a level of i mean there there that does happen within different species where there's like for whatever reason whether it's their genetics or whether it's their lineage or whether it's just their vibe or or their makeup or or what they're making up <laughs> it seems like there is qualities of that that play out in nature but what's interesting though is that a lot of those dominant male those dominant males or those alpha alpha energies are submissive somewhere along the line in some way or another whether it's like to the mother to the female um to another tribe that has a, its own dominant alpha so somewhere along the line there's like a there's like a a matching of of energies where that like seemingly higher like pattern of hierarchy doesn't doesn't go across the board and so I don't know I think it like I think there's something to say about leadership I'm not uh, and choose your own adventure as far as what you find interesting to speak about mm -hmm. but, there's but there's this like, like general thing about, thing about introverts and extroverts and in the realm of kink or sexuality, there's the realm of doms and subs. I'm wondering whether Water Eye, Rebecca, considers this to be true, like objectively true, and having value, or if it's more of a trope that has sort of a like uh it places a limitation on our self-identity like i'm an oh i'm an introvert so therefore i know more things about myself is it more helpful or does it place more of a limitation on on ourselves and how we see other people interact interact with other people huh i mean i think that what do i mean when i say i mean um I think that that any human constructed um, definition is is a limit has a limitation to it inherently and Like if I have a character that's maybe more, as they say, um, introvert, that's due to something. That's like based on some kind of reason, probably. You know, probably something that I was affected by as a child or the way that I was grown up or the way that my wires are connected, the way that my neurology, the way that I'm, you know, am I... Um, the way that of my nutrition, the way that like, you know, my, all my, do I have all my minerals like in balance? Um, 
not to say that not to say that introvert is imbalanced. I'm just saying like if there's, I feel like if there's, if there's too much of an emphasis on, um, characteristics that are that are subjective reality, like they're not, they're not. This is like it's. I don't know that it's genetic, or or something that like is chronic, you know what I mean? Like that somebody just, if you're just introvert, that's just the way you are and that's just, there's no other option. But I think that like people find, people find their um, comfort zones. And, but I think that, that diff, I, I think that that changes too, like based on comfort. Like sometimes in a super dense environment where there's tons of people, I go more introvert. I'm more of like an observer, watcher, kind of, I'd rather go home kind most of the time or I, you know, or if I'm in a, in a condensed place with a lot of people and there's dancing, I'm more comfortable there because I'm like, I'm expressing something and everyone else is expressing something in their own way, but it's not, there's not a forced or a pressured kind of must interact or, um, with other people. But then in some, in some instances, I'm like super comfortable and I, and, and, and therefore then I'm extrovert and maybe sometimes that might be influenced by something or maybe I've just gone through enough of a of an emotional like workout to feel super confident all of the sudden or maybe I'm performing and it's and that energy of nervousness that sometimes can like put a cap on people's expression has been already moved through you know, the butterflies and the bellies, the nervousness. I don't know if I belong here. What am I going to do? Who am I? Am I okay? Am I accepted? Do people see me? All of those like internal pressure systems. Like, when you're, when you're working, when you're on stage, when you are on stage performing, whether it's at the Live concert, ecstatic dance, cacao ceremony, or whether it's with Wonderland, or whether it's with Yusuf Aspide at the Village Building Convergence, what is is it different when you are sharing the experience with an audience, or if you're at in your own space in your sanctuary and it's just you? Oh, it's definitely different. And what, what is the difference? The difference is energy, I think. The difference is um, you know, like they say when you observe what does science say about particles and waves or waves and particles that I'm not, I'm not too brainy in that regard, but something about like when you observe a particle, um, it changes. You know, so just by just by the the by the essence of of um, observation, sure. energy shifts and and changes. It's it's like expression or formation, and and I think that 
we're, I mean, we're made up of, 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 of what life is made up of. So, um, I, I have experienced over time a thriving when it comes to the energy of like being observed when I'm performing. If I was put on the spot and I was just like in a group of people and then all of a sudden I'm put on the spot, that might be a different experience. Um, but if I'm performing and I have like brought myself there and I've prepared myself and I've, um, it's my choice. I experience a thriving by way of that energetic feed because there's so much energy and observation, which is really profound too. When you think about how much energy, like you, when I think about observation, I don't necessarily think about the amount of energy that is in that, you know, it sounds like docile or it sounds, it sounds, I want to say entropic, maybe. No, maybe not entropic. That's not what I mean. Like docile, like still observation, right? Stillness, like you're just watching. A question for you. Do you think? Do you think, do you think that, that you? There may be. There may be some instances when you are, when you are by yourself at home, that you allow yourself to go to a deeper space than you would be without all these witnesses to your process and to your performance? I, I definitely do have experiences that when I'm by myself that are as potent, if not more potent, not as often. It's, it's, it's just a different kind of experience. But the thing that I, that is still prevalent, even when I'm by myself is I will have some kind of either a projected um, concept that maybe I'm freestyling about. Like there's something that I feel passionate about. And so that, so I'm contemplating some, some idea or issue. And so then I'm like, I'm still, I'm, proje I'm still projecting myself out towards something. Or if I'm praying, right? Or if I'm, if I'm like, projecting my energy out towards like God um, or like the bigness of, of isness, all that is, then there's still like a projected, a projecting. But if I'm just like, I mean, sometimes if I'm just freestyling and like, like when I'm driving or something, it's different though. It's not, it doesn't have the same kind of it doesn't have the same kind of signature, the same kind of potent potency. Did it is interesting. There? there, by the way, it seems like you picked two yeah, cards. Three, but um, is a human life too short? Question mark. Next part. Too short for what? Good question. And that's completely relative, right? Because all human lives are. Um, different lengths. Do you think that, would you agree that some of us 
were born with missions, soul contracts to fulfill a certain um, responsibility or something along those lines. That's a curious kind of conundrum in some ways because on one hand, purpose seems so important. In other ways, I feel like it, I feel like the pressure of purpose um, is a pressure that I'm, I'm having a little bit of a loss for words right now, but it's just something that I experience where if I feel like unpurposeful or like I'm lost in my purpose or like I, I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm here for, like those, those big so-called questions of, of life. Um, then I suddenly feel invalid or like my worth is no longer relevant, you know? And I actually have experienced that during this COVID experience this year, because I haven't played music hardly at all. Like I've barely touched my instruments for the last like six months, barely like once or twice touched my instruments. And that has been something in my personal life where I felt like that was my whole reason why I existed. Like I'm, I am my purpose. The reason I'm created is to, is to sing to people and to open their heart and to play music and, 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 and I'm just experiencing kind of a death and kind of a reconstruction of that idea um, by way of just not feeding it, letting myself not feed it. And I'm finding different, important, valid, valuable expressions of creativity. Um, like, what? like going out in nature and like self, self, selfie making epic, like I am nature photography, art, artistic shots in creation with my body in nature, you know, and, um, being it being it being nature <laughs> i have one more question for you okay my spiritual teacher uh would never admit this publicly but when i asked him what i what he thought that the meaning of life was he shared with me that he sums it up in conscious hedonism i'm curious when you hear those words conscious hedonism if that's sufficient to bring up whole life Experiencing pleasure for pleasure's sake, because we're here for a short period of time. Experiencing pleasure, something that we all want, we all seek, we all love. Your question is: Does that is that a good sum up of life? Uh, no, I mean like he's entitled to his take on okay. That What's your read on that? What's your feedback when you hear somebody say? The meaning of life is consciousness. Oh. Um, I mean, I think that any, like, kind of contrived uh, 
small statement about what the meaning of life is is inherently like missing um missing the mark because i i mean meaning is meaning is meaning making is life somehow life is meaning life is meaning making somehow even though that's not always the case either fuck meaning like in a hedonistic way i've i've been i've been, I've been saying fuck meaning for a couple months now just because i find that we i've been i've been meditating a lot on this whole like placing caps and limitations on ourselves and uh -huh. i'm just like it's, it's so last century i mean it's like two centuries ago but like is there anything inherently like wrong with you approaching life as just being like a conscious hedonist i'm just i'm conscious hedonist from here on out um well conscious conscious aware like consciousness am i doing stuff out of my aware awakened self am i resorting to subconscious or unconscious behaviors based on like my past or my idealism um, so conscious, like self-aware pleasure. Um, I'm down with self-aware pleasure. Whether or not that's like the whole reason to live or the whole meaning of life as far as like, this is the only, this is the whole thing. No, I don't think so. I think that that's that that would be un. I think that would be unconscious, unaware behavior because that would be disregarding the very real other qualities of life that aren't necessarily always pleasurable. And as well, though, if someone has a really strong practice of practicing pleasure, maybe they can find just like people have really strong practices of of practicing peace of mind and they're able to like maintain peace of mind even in like really crazy situations maybe if somebody is really strong with practicing pleasure they can experience pleasure in what might otherwise be like a very unpleasurable circumstance sure so like let's, let's say, say we could flip right a switch now, right now and it was just hedonism for water eye here on out, out. No, no sadness no, no anger, anger. No, no depression, depression no, no loss of meaning or purpose or any of that stuff. stuff. Just pure, unadulterated joy in the experience of of being alive until the day you pass into the, you know, who knows, mystery. Mm -hmm. Like, would you feel that you were missing out on a valuable experience from those, those other aspects? If... If some magical button flipped and that is all that I was experiencing or that no matter what I was experiencing, I was in a state of like 
pleasure. Um, I, I think that would be potentially epic for my experience, super lacking in empathy for um, interactions with other human beings and experiences. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners? This is cool. <laughs> this is so cool. Water I dot us. Check out Rebecca's stuff. It's within your own field. And uh, a lot of the time we're trying to uh, determine whether or not people are meeting the empathy needs around our, our sense of uh, sovereignty. But yeah. What's the best thing you have inherited from your ancestors? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this breath, the wisdom, death, you know, the, the rebirth, and the, and the feelings of this new earth. It's, uh, it's being written and rewritten. In this, uh, in this one moment decision. The permission is given. Oh yes, the permission is given. The permission is given by our living ancestors to be living in this mission of evolution. We are the solutions to the problems that cause the culture of jamming to dissolve our connection to one another. As I look across this plexiglass shield <laughs> to my brother, holding the microphone, we are the same being in the same, in the same dream to this drum drone, with this drum drone, to this drum drone. And this spiritual growth question is a mystery mission just to provoke action for our conversation to learn a little bit about what you value and what I value and what's true. No need to rhyme it through. Continue. Beautifully put. <laughs> I, I see through all the soot. Rhyming on time. It's the thing that we do when we feel in divine. I think that divine is all around like a sign. It feels just fine to sit back and chat with this new friend Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Hope, Hope it doesn't, doesn't give you a heart attack. <laughs> Is it a crime to ask what the design of divine means in this time? What does it mean to be designed by divine timing? What is the word divine mean to Nate? Can you relate? Oh. Well, since you want to instigate, and my name is Nate, <laughs> we can procreate and deviate just a little bit. And then as we sit and we witness, all that's left is your breath, and that's your spiritual fitness. And that could be some sign of uh, an experience that reminds us when our minds start to feel fractured there's this this funniness that's a seriousness rapture <laughs>
<laughs> so I want to share with you a little uh, something important to me, a mantra of mine, if you want to hear. Mm -hmm. So, health in the body, peace in the spirit, love in the heart. Health in the body, peace in the spirit, love in the heart. Peace in the spirit, love in the heart. It is this that we wish for ourselves. That we wish for ourselves. And it is this that we wish for all of our brothers and our sisters. It is this that we wish for all of our brothers and our sisters. Health in the body. Health in the body. Peace in the spirit. Peace in the spirit. Love in the heart. Love in the heart. It is this that we wish for ourselves. It is this that we wish for ourselves. And it is this that we wish for all of our brothers and our sisters. It is this that we wish for all of our brothers and our sisters. And then we could say we could say we could say it together one last yeah. time. Health. Health in the body. In the body. All right, we're gonna start over. Health. Health in, in body. the body. Peace. Peace in the spirit. In the spirit. Love in the, love in the heart. heart. It is this that we wish for ourselves. It is this that we wish for ourselves. And it is this that we wish for all of our brothers and our sisters. And it is this that we wish for all of our brothers and our sisters. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is that for me, it's my. Um, it's my scanning mm -hmm. so it's like is my something's out of harmony is it is it something am i out of am i out of alignment out of integrity with the, the health in my body or is my body cool is my body cool is this all right okay cool check one yeah then peace in the spirit is like that door opening it's like we're jamming we're focused and then there's like a little bit of like lack of peace in the spirit right so we can attend to you know maybe there's disharmony with a lover maybe there's disharmony with a friend or a parent or something like that so we could check that once we're like oh yeah that and then we can tap in with like oh am i remembering that i am love that we that that i was born from love that that all of this is love and that in each moment i'm in am i aware of the love you know and then usually things get get right with the alignment yeah but i bring that up to ask you when you talk about spiritual fitness mm -hmm. what's helpful for you in regards to spiritual fitness and like getting your own spiritual fitness right uh for me it's really been uh being aware i mean bringing awareness in in a way where i can witness everything that arises in my field as love and as light as i am and then build a new relationship as you know all of us have had quite an ordeal of relationships leading up to this time uh i feel like my my main way is like seeing the the light that we all are and and knowing myself as light there's a lot of archetypal energies that come at play like the parents you know our mom and our dad and i see how i treat my inner child so i mean uh you know actually it was kind of in the rhyme that it came up uh i had recently had a day where it was like i had a, a an event that i did on Sawin. um the next night I was starting to feel like I woke up in the middle of the night. I had a PTSD and this is the day after like staying up all night. And then I had some uh, things that I, I wouldn't prefer putting in my body, some preservatives and stuff that just didn't, they didn't go well with my, my brain. But I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a PTSD of this time 
really complicated story, but someone essentially tricked me into trying meth and I didn't know it was it, what it was. Yeah. And it was PTSD, like straight up. Like I woke up in the middle of the night oh, and my mind felt like it was just, it was fracturing is what it felt like because it was just moving so much and it was like stuck on something that just felt so intense. But then it wasn't, it was nothing serious, but it was my brain like just starting to feel the stress from a lot of stuff going on. It was like a purge you could say too, because a lot has been changing lately. Um, but it definitely got me feeling more like when I woke up the next day, very relieved to be alive that my mind is okay. Um, it slowed me down in a lot of ways um, and got me to really like feel deeply into like why I care so much, of course. But the only thing I had left was my breath. That's all I had. I, I was like, I, I've been into this spiritual healing and spiritual teaching stuff for a long time. And, and the same message keeps coming around. Every time I've ever had PTSD like that, same message always comes around. If, if all you had left was your breath, then uh, like you'll you'll know what what it means to that like all you really need is your breath. That's all all you need in connection with source. Water. Yeah, and water is water is is in in the air too. So I mean like, and I there's an interesting topic there as far as like breatharian like you know as as laughing with my friends today or like maybe we should take these masks off and just say like we're eating all the time and like. It's like, then we're like, well, fuck, then I have to, like, I have to actually prove that I'm breatharian. <laughs> and it's like, like, that would be wild. Like if that, if that was the scene, but no, it's like, uh, if really, if I really was, uh, living that lifestyle, would I just be like, I'm eating right now and like, I can't wear a thing. Like, is that what would happen <laughs> anyway? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, in Portland, there's the biggest Santa Daime church in the United States and, uh, the feds, uh, they confiscated all their ayahuasca. Mm. And then they had to spend seven years in court and over $70,000 in lawyer's fees trying to prove that there's a lineage of this as an established religion in order to have the, feder the federal government return their sacrament to Wow. It's like... You're stealing something that prevents us from practicing our religion. Yeah. And because they won that case after being traumatized for seven years straight of like it being like over a full-time job to talk to so many different people about trying to, to win this war. It's a like a it's like a holy war yeah. for them, you know? Totally. So that's that was really interesting to to hear about their story and like get to meet those people and go wow like yeah because then because they won that one victory they won that one victory on behalf of everybody that practices that particular religion i don't know if that argument would fly for anybody that wasn't a part of the daime church that just was getting ayahuasca from overseas or whatever yeah it's weird that we have to prove to the government that we're playing by their rules in order to do something that we believe we should be doing. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of the these twists and turns about actually, like the compliance around the whole mask thing, for instance, like no one actually 
is able to build up a framework in their mind where they actually can feel like the safety that they're looking for is being made by everybody around them because 98% plus of the people that are putting on masks are doing it just to not get bothered. And it's like a very small percentage of people are, you know, actually they've been scared of germs like crazy for a long time. We, we've known germaphobes have been around for a long time. Like, and, um, and now like with, with all this happening, it's wild, you know, like the, the, uh, elevated, uh, tendencies are being normalized. Like, and a lot of people are just kind of going about their life, feeling all good and all that stuff. No, no one was like feeling too pressured by germaphobes. But then when you get government involvement and then experts, it's like, I mean, the connect, the way we're connected, our consciousness, like we all want to, we all want to help. And when we see everyone banding together, it's like, it's, there's so much emotional energy that's just tied into all this. It's, it's really wild. <laughs> you know, but on, a, on a positive, on a positive flip yeah. to the masks, I think it's cool that it's kind of got us i think it sucks <laughs> yeah. i think it sucks but i think that a silver lining to it is how we are seeing how we are all interconnected uh -huh. and how we're thinking about how my actions or my decisions might affect other people and how their decisions might affect me mm -hmm. and so when we talk about empathy you know i think it's like regardless of the actual disease or anything like that i think it can it can there can be the silver lining of like making us more empathic and like yeah taking each other's beliefs and perspectives and health into consideration and hopefully that we're more mindful and aware of how we're like consuming mother earth's resources too yeah. Yeah. because that's also another effect so i think this one little domino that's my prayer is like that 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 one domino flips around and gets more people to consider like my actions don't just affect my own person but they also affect all the other oh yeah people. and yeah. actions uh actions do speak louder than words Ooh. Ooh, this is a uh, permission, permission to, go to go there with you. Okay, okay. Permission. permission. Is it wrong to have sex with someone that you don't respect? Why or why not? Okay, so I'm going to read the question back to you. Is it wrong to have sex with someone you don't respect? Why or why not? I'm going to go ahead and say wrong is a very strong word. So I don't believe that it's wrong. It's maybe not ideal. Um, I think that uh, mutual respect as well as like a, a mutual care really adds a lot to sex. Um, but I'll volunteer that at times in my life, I've had sex with people I don't respect. Uh, sometimes you just need the orgasm, you know? And that's okay too, if that's where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew you were going to die within days what music would you listen to oh this is so hard 
If I knew I was going to die within days, what music might I listen to? Um, the first thing that popped into my head is Hauschka, all-time favorite, this German experimental kind of uh, post-rock artist who has like prepared piano and stuff. Um, um, the Ascent of Everest, because they are this like slow boil, epic, kind of like, like metal without the percussion post-rock. So it's like you feel your feelings very deeply with Ascent of Everest. And I imagine I would have a lot of feelings. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm probably going to want some throwbacks, some lighthearted stuff, some old school hip hop, you know. Uh, definitely going to want to dance. And I actually, I would listen to all of my friends' music. Uh, because that's the music that means the most to me. I mean, it's, you know, the soundtrack of my 20s and now 30s. And how would you spend, how would you spend your last 100 hours? Oh, well, how many days is 100 hours? Let's start there. It's approximately four days and four hours. Okay. Um. Did you get much sleep? I mean, I do love sleep because I love dreams, but I want to say like dying might just be a permanent dream state. So I'm going to dream plenty. <laughs> um, no, I would, I wouldn't want to be with a lot of people. I would want to be with one or a few people that I care very deeply about. Um, and I think I would want to just experience beautiful things. So, um, I'm picturing like hikes with, uh, you know, gorgeous views at the summit or uh, leading back to the first question, plenty of sex in those four days. <laughs> um, ooh, actually, well, still the sex, but scratch the hikes. I think I would want to just create straight for four days. Like, and you know, sex is part of that creation, but uh, I would want to like paint and sing and just and write and make. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, you can't have a baby in four days. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like even just like orgasm is inspiration and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think you, I wasn't thinking about it because I was just listening. But I think when you said create for four days, like as much as possible, I think that's what I would want to do as well. Right, right. Can you tell us a little bit about the comments? the space that we're in right now. Yeah, so welcome to Commons. Um, it is a space made for everybody. And uh, one of the ways that we do that is that everything is donation-based. Um, so as a muralist, I feel very strongly about the elitism that is inherent in the art world. And I hate it. I think that art should be accessible to everybody, no matter your class or status or education level or background. Um, and so that's something that we, you know, wrote into the mission here is that um, we don't want anyone to feel left out. Uh, we want everyone to be welcome and we want them to be able to experience the art, the music, the collaboration, the community, even if, you know, they can't afford a $5 cover, for example, or they can't afford a, I don't know, like some membership fee or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, really it's, it's, a, it's a meeting grounds for different creatives, especially of different mediums to 
collaborate, create side by side, inspire each other. Um, you know, I, I really love forming bridges and connecting people to each other. Um, it's also a place where you can feel safe to be vulnerable. Um, I personally have experimented a lot and tried a lot of new things creatively just in the last, you know, eight months of being here. And I can kind of bank on that continuing. <laughs> and I, yeah, I would love for everybody else to not to get out of their lane a little, you know, to uh, try new things uh, and just really feel uh, safe to be able to and not not like vulnerable in an open hearted way, not in a like I'm scared and I need to protect myself sort of way. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a creative catch all community space. Uh, we do art shows, open mics, uh, jams uh like collaboration co-creation art parties uh we'll be doing film screenings and community meals um and workshops uh and i'm sure there's like 10 other things i haven't mentioned yeah so we have a website commonspdx.com that's c-o-m-m-o-n-s pdx.com uh we also have an instagram uh you can find us at commons pdx thanks yeah. rachel thanks Effie. Yeah. okay i don't have microphobia okay the question for you okay, okay. if, if life, life is for learning, learning do, you do you think that we, we learn a lot in life what, what sort, sort of things, things are we here to learn? Hmm. Um, huh. Well, I think mainly we're here for, for experiencing other living beings, but of course, everything's here for our so, so everything, we're here to learn everything, but I would, just for simplicity, I would narrow, start narrowing it down to a, to other living objects or, or beings, pro, protonaceous creatures. Um, but, but that doesn't exclude, you know, like going to the beach is there there's living things there but the beach isn't living like so i'm not sure i haven't learned that yet <laughs> what is what, what is protonaceous mean uh it's made of protein protonaceous i used to be a doctor <laughs> i get to use what, what were you a doctor of naturopathic naturopathic doctor yeah. gotcha so, so I learned too much there, and I, my mind's been blown ever since. If you could uh, send a message in a bottle to a previous version of yourself from 25 years ago, what would be in that message? S sending it to who? 25 years ago? Yourself. Oh. Um, wow. I think I encountered this question recently. Um, Uh, befriend as many women as you can. 
the mic. Oh, good. But I'm still still trying mulling over the first question. If life is for learning, what 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 is there to learn? What is there to learn? Yeah. And, uh, and I said other living beings, and then the last question kind of narrowed that down a bit to the to the female. Interest to learn more about the female, or from the female. From the female. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, what have you learned from the female? Oh, uh, or from the females? Female, yeah, yeah. Um, to listen, um, to uh, to 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 seek what really matters, including this question, um, and and I would also throw in there. Uh, learn, learn to be, learn, learn as much as I can to be honest, to be, to not try and take shortcuts and cheat or anything like that, but, uh, each first question, do most people grow kinder as they age? Most people, I feel like there's a certain point that kindness is reached when the sort of the urgency, like when you've grown, I guess, worn down enough that you realize you don't want to put in unnecessary effort <laughs> and you realize that kindness actually like eases a lot of things. So I feel that there's a certain point that that threshold is reached with age. So yeah, I would say that most people do. I find that with men, mm. a lot of older guys mm -hmm. that were like really rough around the edges, yeah. whether they have grandkids or not, they tend to just be like, ah, yeah. it's not that important. You've had you more had time, time also, also to, to just like face, face yourself, yourself and, you know, and like recognize, recognize be, humbled be humbled by life, life you know? You know? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, kindness is a good thing. Yeah. I would hope that, you know, like as we're at our strongest, we can also be our most kind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's the, the beautiful, beautiful but challenging thing we face because a lot of times we think that kindness means like weak boundaries, boundaries and that strong boundaries means like being an asshole. <laughs> so follow up question on that, like how do you what helps you be kind Um I would say trying to step outside of my one particular point of view and remembering that like I've been all of the different people within the story that's unfolding and so therefore like I understand the humanity of each of those spaces and um yeah it just helps me to get away from the sort of blame victim mentality and recognize that we're all just kind of like confused and stumbling around in the dark <laughs> and knowing that I would hope that when I was confused that people would be kind to me so I want to try and remember to be kind to people too and re rather than like irritated and frustrated and resentful <laughs> speaking of humanity <laughs> second question <clears throat> is humor is human nature still evolving and if so how yes human nature is definitely still evolving i mean i think you can't really not evolve <laughs> 
If so, how is it evolving? I mean, right now I would say that it really seems like collectively we're evolving to finally learn to stop being so polarized by getting incredibly polarized um, to the point that it's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, from that space, you kind of are forced to finally look in the, like recognize that you're looking in a mirror, right? <laughs> so, and then sit with that. And so that's what I feel like we're evolving into is learning how to face our shit and face the shadow right now. Thank you, Safan. What is your arm uh, in? What is that ink on your arm? Um, that is Arabic arm. calligraphy, um, yeah. and it is the opening verse of the Quran, um, which is also the beginning of uh, prayers in the Muslim faith. And it's Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, which means in the name of the Creator, most gracious and most merciful. And my mother is uh, Baghdad Iraqi and Muslim. And my father is from Vancouver, Washington and raised Christian, but becomes Sufi. And then they had a daughter that cannot be labeled as far as religion or spirituality goes and sees the beauty and wisdom as well as the shadows and all of those things. <laughs> Speaking of that daughter, uh, I know that you are, you started a new endeavor with your sister, Emma Kett Ra. I did, yes. You wanna tell us a little bit about that? What's going down? Absolutely, so um, we just put out our new project, Sister Moon Ritual Arts, and it's really been like birthed uh, from a story of us in our journey of sisterhood and recognizing the patterns that really reach all around and back through time within sisterhood and how much it's there's been wounding as well as how much healing comes uh, when we come together. And so in our journey of working through our fears and our wounds and challenges um, and persevering in a space of sisterhood and love and coming together and continuing to show up and continuing to create and continuing to meet one another in that place that recognizes that inherently we're better together than against one another, um, that we're able to create such incredible beauty. And so we're wanting to spread that in different ways through ritual, through um, imagery, through photo shoots, through song, through dance, through gathering together, doing different healing ceremonies with our sisters and just letting that spread in as many ways as it possibly can. Yeah. And how do people find you guys? Um, if you look us up, we're Sister Moon Ritual Arts on Instagram, on Facebook. We have a page and a group. And you can also find both of us, Savannah Wild and Emma Ket Ra, on all of those platforms as well. And uh, the ceremonies we'll be hosting will be at the Lighthouse Temple. And you can also find that uh, page on all of those platforms. The child you once were feel about the older person that you are today? That's a great question. Um, I think the the, the the child that was once me would feel good about the person that I am today, but there are periods of my life where they would not feel good about the person that I was. I think that as I've grown, I've learned to shed uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the issues that come with adulthood, all of the 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 
cons the constructs and the layers that paper over our kind of innermost being, kind of the inner child. And there was a while where like I was creatively crippled. Um, and I think it was because I was trying to be someone that other people wanted me to be. Um, and I spent uh, my early adulthood um, and you know, adolescence and early adulthood uh, believing in a certain path that you know I, I didn't really have any determination over but just felt like what I should be doing and that really it, it gave me a mindset that was not conducive to creativity um, and then I think over time and many rel relevatory moments later I began to shed those um, and then I think today I'm more creatively realized than mm, at probably any other point in my life. But I recently I was uh, visiting my brother in Philadelphia and he has uh, a lot of um, archives of our home movies. Uh, and I think I would suggest to anybody that if you had home movies taken of you as a kid that uh, you go back and watch them because it's interesting. It's interesting to see how um, my my parents were the things that they said and did to shape my personality, um, and also uh, things that happened in my life that I forgotten about. Like they were just memories washed away. But when I was watching these home videos, I noticed certain things, like certain aspects of my creative personality that I had forgotten about, but have since reemerged in my personality today. Well, so let's, let's hone in on this a little bit more. The child that you once were would look on the man that you are today. And what do you think would be surprising about the person you are today to young young boy? I, th I think one 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 thing uh, would be that I uh, I don't play video games anymore. My uh, not that I have anything against them. They're just not really uh, there's not they're just not really something that I enjoy doing anymore. I enjoy doing other things. Um, but when I was a kid, I was such a gamer. Like I was hooked into the Sega Genesis, and like it really kind of shaped my perception and thinking of things around me. Uh, and I think it, I remember my parents telling me like, oh, you'll grow out of this. And me at the time saying, no, I won't. I'll be playing video games forever. Do you think that uh, a young uh, John Carter would be disappointed that you were no longer playing video games as a man? Because actually I'm surprised that I still play so many video games as a, as a man. <laughs> Like I thought that being an adult meant that you didn't have time for any Yeah, I, I think young, I think young John Carter probably would have been disappointed. Um, probably would have thought that he lost something, like something that like he enjoyed, something that was uh, felt linked to, you know, their identity. Um, but that, I would, I would hope that 
come back, come back and answer some questions. I, I, I would hope that they, I would hope that they were that that he would ask uh, why, why that happened, and what I what the current present day John Carter is interested in, and that perhaps like learning more about the present day version of myself, he might see well, okay, he shed the video games, but he gained many other things. So if you could send a two sentence little piece of paper in a bottle to that kid. What would, what would that little message say? Um, learn to let go and stop worrying what others think about you. Have you ever had a personal experience with angels, spirits, ghosts, or any other sentient beings that may be in our midst, but are usually imperceptible to us. Hmm. I, so my, my mom uh, passed away about six years ago, six and a half years ago. And I, it's interesting when somebody so important in your life and somebody who is uh, just kind of ingrained in like your mental map of like familial connections is suddenly no longer there. I remember thinking, I remember for months after uh, uh, my mom passed, uh, she, her phone number I mean, it's still in my phone today, but like I would, I would kind of bring it up and think about giving her a call when nobody would be on the other end of the line. Um, my point being that uh, she oftentimes will come in my dreams. And I wonder if there is something spiritual there um, because when she comes in my dreams, it's unexpected and like doesn't happen often, but feels so tangibly real. It makes me think, am I experiencing a, a push into like another parallel universe in which she continues to exist just because it seems so natural in, in, in these dreams? And yeah, it, it gets me thinking how we don't really completely understand the process of dreams and how they work. And I wonder sometimes in moments like that, when I kind of see the specter of my mother, uh, if I am not visiting some parallel time or place or existence. If I may, uh, my teacher taught me something, uh, which is um, if you keep on insisting for whatever the thing is, the question is, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. To start off the, the next thing you say, well, if I could know, what I would say is, or if I could know, I would say, and then to continue the thought. So. Running the, running the experiment, if you could know, what, what is, a is a dream? 
you just allow yourself to say what you believe a dream is. What do you? What what are the possibilities for you on what it means to dream and what what is a dream? I think dreams are often us at our most honest and raw. It's completely unfiltered. Um, it's tapping into uh, memories and experience and fears and joys and it's tapping into the subconscious in a way that our conscious mind can't often interpret when it's awake but that i i i always say that we don't know what we don't know and that there is always i'm i am always looking to be wrong and looking to understand things in ways that i can't conceive in the present moment well hopefully as you find out more you can come on are all human beings broken in some way what do we mean by broken if the answer is yes can we be made whole again and if so how we would never be whole humans are always going to be broken it is our flaw and it's just how it is we are animals um i consider the human species to actually be a virus that does overtake and kills for no reason i i personally think that you know human life is destructive and chaotic no matter how peaceful you are no matter how humble you are the only way to get your word across to anybody who can make a difference is actually through violence throughout history it's always been through violence even uh gandhi himself you know had to burn himself alive you know? was that gandhi no wait who was that gandhi, gandhi was gandhi was assassinated oh, yeah. by, by an extremist faction of uh of uh, like radical Muslim extremists that felt like he was doing the, the nation of India a great disservice. Um, you know how the Hindus and the, and the Muslims are like splintered off in India? Yeah, he was he was murdered by a radical Muslim, an extremist Muslim. But uh, regardless, um, with that, with that note, like there is a, um, there's a documentary called Chimatica where they say that all of humanity is a cancer. Yes. And that, that we just kind of, or we are mold on the peach being the earth and we're kind of just like devouring it all. So with that said, what is the redeeming quality of humanity? And you are human, Josh. So like what, what justifies your existence or how do you try to justify your existence being that None of us have ever been whole. We've always been broken and that we are destructive. I feel like even, it's hard to word. I feel like even though that human, the human race has done most terrible things, they also have done really good things as well. Um, I feel like earth itself needed human life uh, for certain possibilities. Um, but in the end, it's it's more cons than pros that outweigh it. Um, 
I mean, I'm the wrong person to be talking to about that at all. It's just, why, 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 why would you think that you were the wrong person to be talking to? Sorry about that. Why, why would you say that you're the wrong person to be talking to about this? Because I'm more on uh, Thanos' side about snapping the fingers. Um, I mean, that's terrible to say, but I feel like that. I feel like the human race. It, we had our fun. We had our time. It's time for us to, you know, let let the next come into play. And you know, I, taking taking all that into consideration. Yeah. What, what principles do you live your life by? Right now, I live my life by taking care of the people that I love that are close to me. Um, and I'm I'm not scared to death, never will be. Um, but what I am scared of is not being able to protect those around me once I die. Um, but I already know everybody's gonna die regardless of the fact. So it's, there's nothing really I can do to change the world, um, but I can change how outcome, how certain outcomes come to my family, people I love, and to myself. So I live every day, day by day, like it's a new day. I never go to bed angry. I always wake up happy. Cool. I have to unmute myself each time I speak. Um, uh, do you believe in reincarnation? Do you believe that this is not your soul's first time in a body on this planet? Oh boy. All right. So, uh, so what I believe this is going to be out there. I don't know if, if a lot of people have heard this or not, but what I believe in is I feel like we, the human, like you have already died and you are reliving your life to uh, check out what you have failed in and what you wish you have changed. Hence deja vu. Anytime that you have ever made a huge decision in your life and you never knew it was a huge decision in your life, you'd always have some sort of deja vu that would kick in. You're like, I've seen this before. And then shortly after that, you go back and you're like, wow, if I did this differently, it would have changed something. Um, I feel like if you want to go into a religious belief, this could be hell. And we're just continuously living our same lives over and over again. If you're born rich, yeah, you have all the money in the world, but you never can find love, that's hell. If you're born poor, you'd find love, but yet you could never support or protect. Um, that, I mean, you can go either way with that. And that I believe that it doesn't matter. I feel like that since you are made up of molecules uh, scientifically and everything, you're part of everything. You just, your soul just continuously get rebuilt itself to make you live the same life that you've already have lived. And it's unless and it's not, you can't stop it. So, if you could shoot a message in a bottle to, like, say, a seven-year-old Josh, what would the message in the bottle say? Live your life. Be happy, man. Don't don't let nothing get to you ever. I would. I, I personally would never change anything that has happened in my life because 
everything bad that has happened in my life, I legitimately found the love of my life through all of that. So I would never change any of it. How uh, how do you, when something does, like, is bothering you, whether it's another person, you say, don't let that get to you. What is the trick or, or what is your mechanism for making it so that shit doesn't get to you? I usually play video games. You, you can empty yourself out into another world and it's, you can just do that. Or I also have done a lot of Tai Chi meditation, which helps a ton. Uh, certain types of herbal teas will actually help you concentrate and focus a little bit better. Um, when you, right before you meditate, if you drink certain type of teas. What are the benefits of video games? Um, the benefits of video games is that, well, you, you can recreate like hand-eye coordination to react faster in certain situations. But I find the most benefit in a video game is the fact you can forget and lose yourself uh, in the real, real world and kind of refocus your mind to actually like forget about it, relax yourself because when you relax, and you stop thinking about the thing that's really stressing you out and you come back to it, you can actually think outside the box and you can solve it a lot better. And I feel like video games will distract you enough to actually do that. And that's why I do that. Last question for you, Josh. Yes, sir. What is the sexiest quality of a human being? Any human being. Sexiest human being on earth. What is the, what, what is the thing that makes them the sexiest? It's a toss up. I'm uh, I'm partial to personality, realistically. Um, I've dated ugly, like per, like ugly girls. I've dated really hot girls. My girlfriend right now is job dead gorgeous. Um, but what attracted me to her was the fact that she has amazing personality, very likable, and um, that's what attracted me to all every girlfriend that I ever had was just the personality. Um, that's what I feel is uh, probably the sexiest thing to me. Josh, how can we find you on social media if you do participate in that? I actually got rid of social media because I, I'm tired of all the bullshit that's going on in the world. And I just feel like I need to focus more on my life. Cool. And I think it's a good idea for everybody to actually take a break from social media and focus on what's happening in your life. And, and as soon as, as you realize, realize what's going on in your life, life take care of yourself, yourself then jump, jump in and see what's going on with everybody else. But don't, don't make it your number one thing. thing. It's better off just meeting people regularly and just hanging out all that way. Josh, I want to thank you for participating in this little experiment we have going on at this art show. And uh, I also want to thank you for sharing your perspective with the acknowledgement that it might not be the most popular or like attractive philosophy. I think uh, I think it's really valuable for people to consider that humanity is uh, very destructive, and uh, and we you know and being aware of that and coming to terms with that is probably a lot better than being in denial of it and continuing unnecessary destruction. Thanks, thank you, brother, and it's nice to meet you. Thank you, I appreciate. Do you think animals, Do you think have, animals evolving have evolving cultures? cultures? Do, Do they, they transmit, transmit cultural information from generation, from generation to generation? I mean,
I guess so. Wouldn't that be evolution? What? what? Makes, makes humans, humans different, different from, from the rest of the animals in the animal kingdom. Because, because we can, can denote based, based on the fact, fact that we're in a structure on the third floor of a building, that you're holding a microphone, we're, we're both wearing masks, we, we have this classic shield and your childhood zebra here. All of these things make us distinct from other, like for humans, it's very clear how we evolve our culture. Mm -hmm. but, but with animals, animals it's less less clear so, so what, what makes humans uh, special in that regard i think maybe it's less with animals because animals already just have it figured out just like they understand that they might like their species might die off but they still they still naturally do what they're supposed to do to survive just based off of the land and they and they don't care about anything but like just you know eating and sleeping and breeding and uh humans care about more than that and um kind of like we overthink things yeah our, our our brains are yeah well yeah our, we have a lot our brains are like a lot bigger than uh all the uh animals and um uh it's kind of like a curse in a way i guess because we're you know destroying ourselves or and destroying each other and the planet and uh for now it looks like <laughs> like it could be a curse but maybe not maybe maybe we're smart enough to overcome our own egos i guess I can't
formerly a chorus of birds swarming, and accordingly she proceeds, must fall to her knees to pray and smoke, evoking a scope of grave limbo, an infernal abyss, kisses the lips of humanity, blazes through severe dualistic brutality. What a harsh and recognizable irrationality. External obscenities express excess reality of an unprotected stress of natural transgression, addressing the obvious nerve, averse to slowing down, immersed in the shroud of coerced hours a juncture of personal attachment or personal autonomy that happens collectively. Yet it's all ephemeral. Her recovered exhale sends us a message now to massage temples, build on rest, to address totemic blessings, in the form of a universal calling. The impression of this dis-ease is something we won't lose, soon lose sight of. We will allow this transformation to guide us firmly in breath and substance. Thank you. This poem is part prayer and part spell. It's called Combustion. Eyes like the sky, heart like a sunrise. I'll recognize you by your voice, raining like falling stars, covering me in light. I'll hear the sea when I hold you up to my ear. Washed up treasure will appear in your wake. These earthquakes will still and the land will solidify while your bones will ring in tune with mine and all of our pieces will rhyme. Your embrace will taste of endlessness, of fountains that never run dry, of a fire that doesn't die. We'll move in time with the turning of the moon. There'll be no room for missteps. Our rhythm will wax and wane with our breath, and the rest of our orbits will glide like song lines circling the sun. Then we'll have begun to dance in the utterance of infinity. Don't try to save me. Don't be my hero. You'll be your planet and I'll be mine. We're not here to be pulled like gravity into that black hole of invisibility. You'll know my contours and I'll know yours and the same constellations shall illuminate our nights. We'll navigate by the stars and ride cosmic winds like incantations where our declarations will become the birth of worlds coalescing into the form of our own making, ever arising, always becoming like a tune, never ending. It's not a destination. It's not a hard construction. It is the heat of combustion forever fueled by the connection between our eyes. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you for sharing.
Thank you. Can you tell us um, your social media handle one more time? Erin mm -hmm. Aurelia Poetry. Thank you too. Yeah. Appreciate it, Zach. Yeah, I'll find you and I'll, I'll share the, uh, the link with you. Wonderful. Auditory hallucinations. Greetings and salutations to all you creatures of the night. If you're like me, you stay up late, like to have interesting conversations about the paranormal and the limits of human potential within the realms of consciousness. My name is Zachary, and me along with my co-host Jordan, we invite a lot of guests on our show to have interesting conversations. We like to dive deep into the riverbanks of consciousness and psychedelia. Each episode is a hallucination, a journey into the realms and the databanks of human wisdom. For the first eight episodes of The Midnight Mystics, which is the name of our show, uh, we will be exploring and reviewing the first eight episodes of The Midnight Gospel. It's about psychology, meditation, non-attachment, interdimensional space travel, and things like this. So if you're interested in topics like this, tune in every Tuesday night at midnight to Shady Pines Radio because we'll be right here on ShadyPinesRadio.com. Stay tuned right here to Shady Pines Radio for lots of great local music, poetry, and all of the great creative minds that reside right here in Portland. You've been listening to Shady Pines Radio. 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 Oh. Thousands of things go right for you every single day, beginning the moment you wake up. Through some magic you don't fully understand, you're still breathing and your heart is beating even though you've been unconscious for many hours. The air is a mix of gases that's just right for your body's needs, as it was before you fell asleep. You can see. Light of many colors floods into your eyes, registered by nerves that took God or evolution or some process millions of years to perfect. The interesting gift of these vivid hues is furthermore made possible by an unimaginably immense globe of fire, the sun, which continually detonates nuclear explosions in order to convert its own body into light and heat and energy for your personal use. Your hands work wonderfully well. Your heart circulates your blood all the way out to replenish the energy of the muscles and nerves in your fingers and palms and wrists. And after your blood has delivered its blessings, it finds its way back to your heart to be refreshed. This wondrous mystery recurs over and over again without stopping every minute of your life. You can smell intoxicating aromas. 
You can hear provocative and soothing sounds. You can taste a thousand different tastes. How is any of this possible? You can think thoughts anytime you want. Big, wide, colorful thoughts, or tiny, dark, burrowing thoughts. You can revel and wallow in great oceans of emotion. What colossal secret intelligence or improbable series of fabulous accidents conspired to bestow these superpowers upon you? Of souls have cooperated intricately for untold centuries to cultivate a system of communication that you understand very well. Your ability to speak and read and write makes you feel strong and dynamic. It connects you with the world. It allows you to indulge in one of your greatest pleasures, which is to hear and tell stories. Maybe this. Is the best gift of all. You have a staggeringly potent creative tool: your imagination. You use it to create mental pictures of things that don't exist yet and that you want to bring into being. Your imagination is the engine of your destiny. It is the catalyst with which you design your future. Or maybe this is the best gift of all. You know that you are you. You are exultantly and extravagantly aware that you are alive and conscious and awake and unique. You have a million different fantasies and feelings about what it means to be you. Do you remember when you were born? It was a difficult miracle that involved many people who worked very hard on your behalf. No less amazing is the fact that you have continued to grow ever since then, with new cells being born within you all the time to replace the old cells that are dying. At this very moment, there are 50 trillion cells in your body. And each of them is really a sentient being in its own right. <laughs> <laughs> 